Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. I'm Gary. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we talk about cocktails. About recipes, products, books, bars and people. So let's find out what's in this week's episode. In the first episode of the year, we've got something for you, whether you're going dry, damp or full-on wet this January. We start by tasting Highclere Castle Gin, made with 10 botanicals found in the castle's Victorian orangery and monk's garden. Then we bust out a fabulous alternative to champagne and sparkling wine, real peony blush fermented tea. John DeBarry's Drink What You Want is a brilliant book for anyone looking for great drink suggestions of the no, low or alcoholic varieties, as is our bar choice, Nippakin, celebrating the best of British in the heart of Mayfair. Last, but by no means least, we talk to Tatiana Mercer, one of the very bright minds behind Three Spirit Drinks. Tune in to hear about how their products are changing the way people think about non-alcoholic drinks, thanks to painstaking research and an array of flavoursome, functional ingredients. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. Alright then, here we go. First cocktail of the new year. Well, well certainly the first cocktail of the on new the year. Podcast. On the podcast. So, so what are you that. what are you coming back with? I'm this coming back time? at you with a Bouvardier, a nice warming drink, I think. And you know, I think the main reason I like saying the uh, mixedness is partly because I like the saying the word Bouvardier. And also because it means man about town. And, you know, ah, obviously, so I think, that's of, my, why. I think of myself. I see, uh, I see. <laughs> All makes sense now. Yeah, and also, I think one of the things we often say, we like simple cocktails. Yeah, exactly. Particularly, and I think this one is a three-ingredient cocktail, but particularly three-ingredient cocktails, they are... Yeah. So good. Yeah, Sim- keep it simple at home. Mm. And so this is, if you like your Negronis and you like your whiskey, this is a sort of a marriage of the two. You're swapping out your gin for your whiskey. Brilliant. So I'm starting off, I'm making this in a mixing glass. I'm starting off with 30 ml each of Campari. Mm-hmm. And then 30 ml each of sweet vermouth fantastic and then you can make this with rye whiskey or bourbon i'm going with a rye today mm-hmm. okay any particular reason or just because uh, I, I think it works brilliantly with both i just happen to be in a rye mood i like that little bit of bite bit the, of rye yeah. mood so r-y-e not w-r-y <laughs> no, throwing your learning <laughs> spelling at me. Um, no, I, I just fa- like, you know, fancied rye because it's got that little bit of mm. bite to it. And you like that um, Oxford I do, very distillery. much. We've, we've talked about this before mm. on the podcast and, I'm, you know, we really do like the uh, Oxford rye. And as I said, this is equal parts, but quite often you can up the whiskey ever so slightly. So 
as I said, um, equal measures, but a little, that's a tad more of the whiskey. So if um, you want, if you want, mm. just a tad more, I think I'll probably put in about an extra 10 ml okay. of whiskey. Right. So again, so along the lines of a Negroni, which is equal parts, so a beautiful, yeah. super, super, super simple recipe. Oh, yeah. It's, but delicious. Well, I hope so. No doubt. So I'm just stirring that down briefly over ice, and then we've got our. Well, our rocks glasses. Do you recognise these? Ah, they're lovely nude rocks glasses. We've got a nice new collection of nude glasses. Thank you very much, which yeah. we're very happy with. These are designed by... Remy Savard. Yeah. We love them. Super elegant rocks glasses. And also, it's really standard. great, you know, these days, pretty much every bar you go into has got nude glassware. Yeah. And they're so distinctive. They're very thin. Well, they're not thin. They have the appearance of being light and thin, but they're very durable, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, apparently they're much... I wouldn't like to personally put it to the test. No, but, but we've heard you this. could drop them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. Break. I'm not going to No, we so, shan't. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the Bouvardier, <laughs> yeah. um, I've put some ice into these lovely rocks glasses, and now I'm just straining off my drink into them there you go and i'm just gonna just put a little bit of orange peel so i'll just get my orange get a little bit of that squeeze it over the top just get a little bit of orange oil and there you go handing it over to you thank your you. bouvardier thank you very much there. your bouvardier is what yourself happy Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. As you can tell, folks, we're not doing dry January. And I'm really glad we're not, because that's <laughs> delicious. Thank you very much. Let's get on with the show. So, we haven't done a gin for a little while. I don't feel like. Maybe maybe. You have. Well, I think we did. We did yeah. a Shivering Mountain a few episodes ago. Oh, yeah, but yeah. still, yeah. you know, there's always room for another gin. For, there certainly is. And I'm going with one called High Clear Castle Gin. Mm, um, sounds posh. It, it, well, it's funny you should say that. Because <laughs> it kind of is. Okay. Um, it was launched in 2019. So, I was about to say, so it's four years old. That means, actually, it's five years yeah. old. Yeah. Now we're in 2024, mm. aren't we? So, yeah, launched in 2019. It's from the family that have lived at Highclere Castle since 1679. Not those same family. They'd oh, be very old by no, now. There might be a few ghosts there. Mm. I'd like to think there might be. And apparently, so they say, it's the house that um, is Downton Abbey is based oh, on. Oh, right. But okay. neither of us being no, I've never watched it. No. So, but apparently, there you go. You know. And, so it's based there. Is that where they film? It, uh, no, no, no I, I just think you know. I understand it's kind of inspired by the look right, of that, okay. that that building. Anyway, I might be completely wrong. Yeah, anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so, more importantly, it took four years to develop, and it's been created by the eighth Earl and Countess of Carnarvon, who are the family there, along with a spirit entrepreneur called Adam von Goodkin, who's American. And they they kind of talk about they've always been keen on cocktails because back in the early 1900s apparently when they were the original family were entertaining lots of guests they mm, would serve they would cocktails have oh, right. so it's all that and the other big thing i think it's worth saying is it's inspired a lot by botanicals from the estate and i think they harvest some of the botanicals well that makes the sense estate. that's good yeah yeah apparently these uh, some of the um the botanicals were originally planted by the bishop of winchester in the ninth century 
Bloody hell. I know. <laughs> right. um, amongst those botanicals that they feature are juniper. Thank you. It's a London dry. Um, lime flower, orange peel, lavender. Lavender is a, a, bit, a particular thing they talk about. Mm. And so why don't we actually, let, before I crack it open, do you want to just have a little glance at the bottle? Let me hand it to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, what can I say? Matte black but, um, in in colour, so you can't see the gin inside. Is, is it black or is it a very dark blue? I can't tell with this um, this lighting in here and my bad eyesight. But it's matte, dark coloured bottle. <laughs> yeah. And on the front, then you have the illustrations of the castle. So that's all in white. So all of that comes through. So I mean, the 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 bottle itself is very sort of. Quite straightforward, very mm-hmm. angular, a brick shape almost, and black and white or yeah. navy and white, yeah. whichever one yeah. it is, yeah. depending on this light. Yeah. It's understated. Mm. But, you know, I like that little illustration in the castle. I think it is. I'm holding it under better light than you had. I think it is very, is it very, navy? very dark blue. Okay. Could even say purple in a certain light. I mean, I'm freaking myself out. Now well, don't worry about color. it. The gin's, gin's the right colour. Let me open it for you. <laughs> There you go. Right, open that up. And okay. let me pass it over to you. They say they set out with a mission to produce the finest gin in the world. So aiming high. <laughs> I love that. High. I think most people, yeah. if they're making a gin, yeah. wanted to produce the finest yeah. gin in the world, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, they've won, apparently won a stack of awards. So oh, maybe, maybe okay. they're do, doing a good job. Let's have a little. Okay. Oh, it's very tingly and fresh, mm. you know. Very much a nice London dry on the nose. Nice. It's a lovely, it's quite sweet. I think that sort of mm. lavender almost feels like violets as well, which is nice. Beautiful tingly finish, as you said, on the on the tongue. I'm getting that right mm. on the tip of my tongue. Mm. Really nice, actually. Yeah. Very, very fragrant. Quite floral. Again, as I say, there's the, the sweetness to it, even though there is that dryness. So yeah. really lovely. Isn't it funny you say that? Because I, I got that little bit of sweetness. It almost reminded me a bit of a an old Tom gin, mm. ever so slightly. Mm. And the lavender is definitely yeah. there, both yeah. on the nose and in the taste. And, and the lime. There's a. I think that that sort of tingle comes from that lime leaf that you spoke about. So there is that sort of citrus feel to it, really. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I, I like really that. Nice. I think it's like, they also, interestingly, they also have a, a barrel-aged version of this, which, mm, is, be good. which is in homage to the 100th anniversary of the opening of the tomb of Tutankhamun, because apparently one of the earlier earls was involved in that whole thing. So there's a nice... What? <laughs> but anyway, it's a, they have a barrel-aged version, yeah. which is aged in Scotch and American and I'm in that cast. I, I think this aged in those barrels would be very interesting yeah. to try. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have some nice recipes on the website. They've got all the cu- kind of classic gin recipes you would expect. But with those sort of that, that, that heritage, there's a couple that jump out. One is uh, the Queen's Jubilee, which was made in honour of our late Queen, mm. which is uh, half and half with this and Dubonnet and a dash of champagne. So that okay. sounds rather nice. Mm. But also they made one to celebrate the coronation of uh, King Charles. And the reason for that being that Lord Carnarvon 
is godson to the late queen. Oh, okay. So, you know, it'd be rude yeah. not to have done Absolutely, a and why not make the most of that, I guess? Absolutely. Mm. And, th- and this sounds nice as well. It's, it's mainly the gin, but with a, a hint of single malt Scotch whiskey, which I think might be nice. That would be lovely, And curacao yeah. and lemon juice. So that is your high clear Castle London dry gin. Um, I should have said earlier it's 43.5%. Mm. And it retails for a 70CL bottle at £35. And um, we rather like that, yeah? We do. Well, I thought because some people are doing dry January, we we may not be. We might be doing a little damp, do you think? Yeah, damp. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I turned to lean more to the sort of low rather than no yeah exactly but i just thought that it's a good opportunity to talk about some of the um great non-out things that are out there because there's many and we Mm. have been trying a few tried um something we'll be speaking to tatiana and dash from um three spirit drinks a bit later but did try a really good one from their portfolio over christmas it was one of their blurred wines and it was really really good but anyway we'll speak about that a bit later what you got right now what we've got now is from real kombucha company it's a sparkling tea um and we love we've loved that one from fortnum's yeah that was brilliant yeah Yeah. and so we wanted to give this one a go this is this real kombucha company it was founded in 2017 by a gentleman called David Begg. And he he founded the company when he was thinking about giving up alcohol, or maybe okay. he'd started to. So yeah. this is something that he's developed. It took almost two years yeah, to get the recipe right. And now you can see this around quite a lot mm. in different supermarkets. I should have passed it to you, the bottle to no, you, before no, no. we... Now I, poured. I now I like that label a lot. It looks like a nice piece of fresh modern art. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice with the real in gold running up the yeah. side. But beautiful piece of yeah, I like it, that. It looks really nice and modern. Yeah, yeah. it stands out also mm. because it is in the champagne style bottle. Yes, and um, the expression that we're trying is called peony blush. Right. There's four expressions. There's Tiger Hill, Royal Flush. Dry Dragon and Peony Blush, which mm. is what we Loving have. Loving all those names. Yeah, and yeah. this is a sort of nice sort of rosé style look about it. get pouring. I know. Hang on, hang on. I've got to tell <laughs> the people all about it rather than you it, just it, it, salivating yeah. <laughs> over there. I, so it's yeah. made with teas, as, yeah. as we've said, and mm. they handpick all of the teas. They make a really big thing about really sourcing, as with High Claire Gin, they're aiming for the world's best kombucha. So they're actually going for the finest loose leaf teas that they're all handpicked and then fermented in the real kombucha. They've got a beautiful, their own state-of-the-art fermentary. Fermentary? Right. Well, where you do fermentations. Right. So um, they're really proud of that and it's something that they've been working on for quite a while. So they can make their beautiful expressions in their own fermentary which is in on the Waddeston estate near Buckinghamshire so it does before I think what's great about something like this is when because it is in that champagne style bottle and then you open it up with a pop and everything you you kind of don't feel like you're going to be short it feels special straight away doesn't it so taste what, what on the nose what are you getting well it has got that 
It remind, I, I, I'm not a tea expert by yeah. any, any means, not at all. But it smells like when you open a packet of a really nice breakfast tea and you get that lovely aroma from the dry tea. Hmm. And that's what I'm getting. So. Yeah, this is it's quite fruity, quite floral. I don't hmm. Am I getting tea? I don't know, <laughs> really. Nose, I got, oh, tasting it. It's got that sort of dry tannin. Yes. Which I really like. Yes. So um, what they say, yeah. they say fruity and bright on the nose, tick, mm. with notes of strawberry, yogurt, and luscious summer fruits. What's, mm. What do you think? Yeah. Strawberry, think, yes. Yeah, definitely. And I think fruity generally, but not in a sort of... Not cloying fruit. I was going to say, because as a sort of caveat, you sort of fr- say fruity in context of non-alcoholic, and you might think, oh, is it going to be a bit, bit sweet? A bit sweet, yeah. and it's not at all. No, not, not at, all. at all. And they really create these drinks to be partnered with food. You know, yeah, that's one of the that. things. So yeah. you can see with the, the joy of the bottle, it's very celebratory, and also mm. the way that they've put the, the expression together. And this one, they say, perfect to partner with barbecued chicken, char-grilled summer vegetables, well, we're mm. out of season for that, or for those rosé all-day moments, or mm. wintery moments. Why yeah, not? I, I, up I, your I've winter. had about three sips now mm. while you've been chatting, and it's. Um, I really like the fact that it has got that really dry it's Quite nice and finish. dry, yes. Yeah, really. So and particularly there. for people like us, you, 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 I don't want to say we love our alcohol, that sounds weird no but you yeah. appreciate your the complexity of alcohol yes. and this has that as well without Definitely. and you don't miss the booze in that no. at all i just think that it's a really beautifully balanced drink and it mm. looks very celebratory as well so it's low calorie low sugar gluten-free allergen-free no wow. added flavors all of that stuff um made with naturally fermented loose leaf teas and it is available i'm not quite sure of the price i think it's something say around nine pounds per bottle which is a really 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 great isn't it so that's um you know what is that 750 mils beautiful have a look on our instagram feed for the artwork for this because it is beautiful and now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts my name is Matt Arnold and I am one of the founders of Passing Fancies in Birmingham and my cocktail tip is use the right tools. There is nothing better than the correct jigger that can make you get your measurement spot on, the right shaker that fits your style and a double strainer that is just perfectly taking away those shards of ice. Imagine a chef using a blunt knife. It's the same as a bartender using blunt tools. So get some good pieces of kit and you'll really up your game in your cocktails at home. Right, this week's book is called Drink What You Want by John DeBarry. I love the title of it because it's the subhead is the subjective guide to making objectively delicious cocktails. Wow. And I love the fact that it's like drink what you want, particularly at this time of year where you've mm. got the dry jam camp and you've yeah. got the others that are not, you know, so this is just about drinking what you want and feeling proud about it, really. So John DeBarry, he is a former bartender, bar director and industry leader, very much more on the state side of things. He was at PDT in New York. So therefore, we have a foreword from our 
friend Jim oh. Meehan. Yeah. Um, so that gives it some good cred. Yeah, he's the, the founder of, of uh, PDT. PDT. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's all about learning the rules, then learning to break them, including all the elements of a balanced cocktail. Mm. So it goes through all of the bits, the, the, the regular bits that you need to know about the the drinks and, and the glassware and things like that. But it also breaks down things like alcohol and its sweetness, acidity, bitterness, temperature and dilution. And then, you know, it just goes into lots of detail about those kind of things. And then the recipes are divided into festive, classics, fancy this one I like, feeling lazy. So that's some sort of nice, <laughs> yeah, easy like cocktails to make. Yeah. Feeling desperate, okay. using off-the-shelf ingredients, mm. including a sort of room-temperature flask cocktail, which I think is quite nice. Room-temperature flask cocktail, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then also there's a section on how to use neglected ingredients that you might find, you know, when you go to somebody's house and they've They've got a drinks cabinet, but really they don't drink. (laughs) So there's lots of unused ingredients. So it gives you lots of different tips on that. Things like vinegar sours and a ketchup michelada. I I really like the fact that he's utilised all of these different ways of making cocktails and and having fun with them, really. There's also a section on feeling adventurous and getting out of your comfort zone. So you've got the book there. What do you think about it? the two things that spring out me. Mm. One is I really like the illustrations because they're, they're really, you know, it, it, when you're trying to sort of bring a cocktail to life in a cocktail book, you know, it's challenging because mm. there's only so many ways you can do it. But most of these, as far as I can see, they're illustrations of the cocktails and they're, they're not hyper-realistic, but at the same time, they're not cartoons. Mm. And they do make you think, oh, that looks rather tasty. So I think the illustrations work really well. And there's the occasional ones of, I think it's him, you know, shaking a drink yeah. and so forth and with other people. I like that. And the other thing I like is that it's got a lot of the classic drinks, but then it sort of says, if you like that, it sort of leads you on to something else. So if there's, you know, a, how to make a whiskey sour, great. But then he said, if you like that, you know, why not try mm. uh, a Pisco sour or something like that? So it just sort of gives you a, a nudge in a different direction. Yeah. And speaking of the illustrations, what I do like about them, they're very approachable. So you can tell from the illustration that it's a serious cocktail book that doesn't take itself too seriously. Yes. You know, yeah. It's quite fun and inclusive, which I think is really important. Also, all of the drinks have quite a lot of details, not too up yourself details, but just enough to explain the drink and some of the history behind it and just making it more approachable, I think. So I think they've done a really, really good job with that. The drinks I looked at flicking through it, there was nothing in there that I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not, I wouldn't try that because it's too difficult. They all look really straight. I think he's made it quite approachable yeah. which is which is really good so there's also bits on the balancing exercises there was a book we reviewed just a few weeks back that did this as well showing i think it was the death and company one where they gave you some sort of lessons in a way so you could taste the balance of of yeah. three things so they've got a daiquiri in an old-fashioned that they've given you the recipes to try in three ways so you can 
understand your palate and that's which really one works idea, best for you. I think, I think certainly with a daiquiri particularly, I think that's a really good one when, you're, yes. when you start making drinks at home. It's just a brilliant leveller, isn't it? Yeah, I think. find out how it works. Where your palate is yeah, as well. Yeah, and then, oh, I want that a bit sweeter, yes. a bit more sour, whatever. So I think anything that helps you do that is a good idea. Yeah, and he's also got a section on some recommended cocktail books as well, which I think is lovely. Yeah. So this is, as I say, perfect for January, Drink What You Want by John DeBerry, and it is published by Clarkson Potter Publishers in New York, but it is available on the favourite um, store beginning with A. <laughs> so you can find that. And um, we highly recommend it, don't we? We certainly do. The brand new issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now. And it's the tailor-made issue, shining a light on the people, products and places creating unique experiences in the cocktail world. To get your print or digital issue or start a subscription, simply visit thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. And while you're about it, why not gift a subscription to The Cocktail Lover in your life? So recently, just before Christmas, we dropped into Nipperkin, which Mm. is a pretty new place, isn't it? I think it's been open probably less than a year or coming up to a year. year. So it's based in Mayfair Mm. in London. And I love this, that Mayfair is suddenly becoming less of a members club kind of vibe about it. And there's a lot more good bars that are opening up in the area. And I like them. You know, we've got Quaint, we've got our friends at One Dover Street. It's also quite near to the Connaught as well, which we love. And uh, Claridge's. Claridge's, all all sorts of things. It's a really, it's starting to get quite buzzy so the nipperkin it's on a little not on the main drag it's on the sort of side street, yeah well it? it's called uh, the, it's in a building called 20 barclay yeah. street and that's kind of the the overarching thing it's a restaurant yes. in a townhouse i would it say is, sort it's of a mayfair George, townhouse. Yeah, it's a georgian style townhouse and i think that's one of the things up front i'd say it's very appealing it still has a lot of a feel of you're going in someone's house, mm. which, you know, obviously you're really nice she-she friend's house. And I liked that, that they've managed to retain that feeling yes. of, of a home. Oh, they're very proud of that, I think. Yeah. They haven't tried to gussy it up. Well, they have, but not into something else. They've really leaned into its its history, which is wonderful. So the Nippikin, so upstairs you've got 20 Barclay Street, which the is the, the restaurant. Yeah. And then downstairs is the Nippikin. So it's kind of speakeasy style of bar, yeah. although I hate saying speakeasy. Yeah, right, I mean, speakeasy as in it's hidden away. Yes, not, yes. not deliberately hidden, like it's hard to find. Mm. It's just hidden away. Yeah. Um, and, but not speakeasy. You don't go in there and expect they're going to sort of have uh, <laughs> 20s jazz and all of that. Market. Mm. It's just a, a little hidden, tucked away bar. Yeah. And little is right because it's not, it's quite, quite wee isn't it it is yeah in a wonderful way but it feels so cozy and i mean the time of year that we went just before christmas it was perfect for that i think it just felt really it was just us and um another lady and the team and it felt great you know a little bit later i think another yeah but you know what i'm saying is it it doesn't really matter if there's a lot of people or not it just feels like this wonderful 
hug and it's it's beautiful yeah. really lovely and i think also the other thing that c- continuing that home theme the look of this room because as you say it's not huge it's quite small but also the style of the bar they've got one of those ones do you call it an island bar so it's not like you're on one side and the bathroom yeah, is on open. the other it, you mm. can sort of walk all the way around yeah. it and you know we've said when we were sitting there oh you know that, that is exactly the sort of bar you'd love at home in your dream house mm. you know mm. so it's got that feeling and i think it's good you know for us it was a small group of three but there's little almost like little cubby holes that are perfect for date, oh, it's date nights you know really, really little nice. sofas um lot like bonquettes with for two with mm. your own little table so beautifully done it's really nice we will have some pictures up on our instagram feed so um it's led by lovely angela baffas who was formerly at soma which we i love him because he puts so much thought into all of the things that he curates and this one is very much all focused on british ingredients so it's about whether whether it's the spirits or the ingredients are all sourced distilled or harvested in the British Isles and they've got such a fantastic menu I think yeah. it's really exciting yeah and I think also what I love is that uh, that, that what they're doing there is they're really not only using a lot of uh, British ingredients but really experimenting with them and making their own distillates and, and brandies mm, mm. and liqueurs and syrups you know so and the way it that leads nicely into the menu so what they encourage you to do and i really like this they said don't go for look for the spirit you fancy look for the flavor mm. you fancy and there's a section on the menu called grown from these yes lands. yes um, really nice. so i went with the advice and i saw that they were something with fig and i just really had something about i just love mm. the flavor of fig i just I don't know what it is. It's, it's just one of my favourite tastes. Mm. So I saw the drink called Fig and Honey. So I thought, right, I'm going to I mean, what's not to love there. about that? Fig That's a great... <laughs> and Honey. And that is made with two drifters Devon-aged rum and their own Essex fig brandy and their own fig leaf liqueur and some London honey soda. Mm. And? And, um, well hands up i loved it um, and i think the other thing they pointed out when i was discussing my my potential choice was the the soda it's not like a highball it's not a long drink it's a dash of soda just to, to open give it, it up. yeah exactly mm. um which i really liked as well and it was they describe it as balance intense with a hint of effervescence um and I thought it, it, it had a lot of depth of character. I think the fig and the rum worked really well. I was just so happy. It put a big smile on my face as I was sipping it, I remember. Mm, okay. Well, I went from the Grown From These Lands menu. I went for Forest, which is a botanist Isle Gin. XX. I think it's called XX or Double X. Pine and Moss Distillate. 20, yeah. 20 okay yeah. xx yeah. right yeah. dry forest vermouth and and of course that's martini style but they have it on the menu as botanic boozy and dry which it was all of those three things in spades really lovely but it did have i loved that pine and moss distillate that was coming through it gave this this lovely freshness which was oh amazing i <laughs> loved 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 and um, also talking about the menu just rewinding a little bit that it is divided into different sections, and I'm sure we'll get on to another yeah. one as well. But they also have these little um, notes on them that say whether the cocktail is seasonal, 
preserved or available all year round yes, because yes. some of them do change some of them are sort of fermentations and things like that and others are available all year round so yeah. it just gives you those little cues so, yeah i think you, you know. kind of expect when you return things are going to swap in and yes, out on yes. a fairly regular basis yes. which is lovely mm. yeah so there was also the globally influenced yes. section what did you have so, from, so there? from there i had uh, i stayed with my fig thing because I was, I was loving my fig thing mm. um this is called fig and butter and because it's globally influenced you know you can still predominantly british but there might be some other things going on so this was made with the mitchell's uh, bourbon burnt british butter preserved fig nectar fig leaves and coconut bitters mm. um, this was much more than the first one this was much more like a real end of evening drink what did they do you remember the three words they had to describe it this full-bodied boozy ambrosian right okay and it's rich and delicious in my opinion it was a great follow-on from the previous drink but i just really like this richness of it you know i just wanted to you know just hunker down and sip away with it and and also it's nice to do the fig in two different versions i guess which is lovely Yeah. Yeah. yeah i went for mushroom and cob nut because I mean, hey, it was autumny winter, and those nothing says autumn winter more than mushroom and cobnut to me. Um, so it was the Dalmore Twelve single malt, Matake mushroom distillate, Mancino Kopi vermouth, foraged cobnut liqueur, pickled coffee, sake lease, and chocolate bitters. I mean, come uh. on. What a lovely array of ingredients in one. And you've got to know what you're doing. Oh, my God. And it really worked. And the three words that they used to describe it, umami, earthy, nutty. And it was, it was, it's a kind of old fashioned, but really so delicious. You could taste actually every nuance of all of those ingredients, but it all came together as one round ball of amazingness you know it was it really really nice and I think both of us we really stopped and sipped and savoured and then also while you have those drinks looking around the room it's just like everything's all right with the world right now do you know what I mean it was lovely really really good and also it's worth saying because they they, they're doing a lot of experimentation and um, and if you like flavor Mm, as you know that's a great way yes um you know this is a great place to go and explore because we said it's there's got a little section it's almost like an apothecary yes you know with those little um I don't know what you call those old gl- bottles. Are the, they And they were showing us round and it's like, you know, they're testing things and trying yes, things. And what yes. can we do with this flavour and what can we do with this mm. ingredient? Um, and with that in mind, they also, um, we rounded off our visit with a little sort of tasting experience where based on some of the things we've been chatting about, um, they brought to the table like on a nice little wooden tray um three glasses with different flavors so it wasn't like this is a gin this is rum these are stuff like this is an expression of fig that we're playing with, yes. or this is an expression of some, mm. something else we're playing and we just had a little taste of that so there's you can really go on a journey here mm. and i think that their celebration of british ingredients oh it's wonderful yeah not just in terms of grown ingredients but i think it's great you know we've talked about um on this podcast and a few other places about the growth of British ingredients. So, yes, you expect 
expect gin and whiskey, but they're championing things like British vodka, British rum, British mm. vermouth. Mm. And they've got like, I think about 10 British vermouths there. So it's a great place to go and explore and have fun. Absolutely. Highly recommend it. Tatiana Mercer has, to put it mildly, an intriguing CV. Starting her career at Paul McKenna Training as PA to the CEO, occasional assistant to Paul himself, and events manager, her responsibilities included managing a team of some 200 hypnotists. She continued to work as an events manager at Future Capital Partners before founding Barchik in 2010, which she went on to run for seven years. In 2018, she co-founded the plant-based alcohol-free range Three Spirit Drinks, and we're thrilled that she's here today to tell us all about it. Tatiana, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to see you again. It's lovely to see you again. So before, because as Gary alluded, you've got an amazing CV, very varied, and it all wraps up to this wonderful person that you are. So tell us a bit more about your background and how it's led you to being one of the bright minds behind Three Spirit Drinks. I, th- I, look, I, I, I didn't go to university. And so I think there was a time long ago now where it wasn't that easy to get a job without a degree. And so I think I found myself in interesting places. I, my job at Paul McKenna, which is amazing. I actually just put an advert for myself on Gumtree and that's how I got that. And then I, ended up <laughs> I in, love it. And then I ended up in like, Phil, but, but the, the running thread was like, I think ultimately looking after people and often finding amazing places or taking them like, like booking things and experiences. And I have always been, ultimately a bit of a geek as in like Dash who I'm married to and work with I tell you I can't go out to I can't go to a random pub in a random village on like holiday because I'll need to make sure it's the best one and I want to know what dish I should order and I think that ultimately led to Barchik which someone said to me one day why do you always find these great places how do you know where to go and I was like well it takes a lot of research and he was like well you should set up a bar guide I was like no way anyway so I so I did Barchik for a long time had a wonderful time. Definitely, it wasn't always the smoothest ride for various reasons, but it was amazing. And I met amazing people. I fell in love with an industry. And I think part of that was seeing new things coming, having little vials of right. Like you guys know, you guys are still doing this. You've probably still got strange things turning up. In your <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> and, and you meet wonderful people doing wonderful things. And I think that you can't really talk about what we do or any of this non-alc movement without acknowledging Ben Branson and Seedlip and that showed up on my desk and I know it's not a gin per se at all it is its own thing but I kind of I always thought this non-out thing that began to happen was really interesting and I think my time came to an end at Bartik and I was ready for for new things and and I and I had another there was another job I did in the meantime which was kind of innovation work where I met one of my other co-founders called Mita and um there was always this burning question of like non-out. Why is it always about what it's not? So most things in life, particularly in wellness or even in, in, in products, is like what they are in them and what they're about. And non-out was like, oh, it's not gin. It's not beer. And I was like, what's the point? I'm not pregnant. I'm not driving. I want, I'll have a kombucha because it's good for my gut health. Or at the end of the day, I want to wind down. I might have a valerian tea. I might have had 
three bottles of wine before that tea. That's irrelevant. But I think the this whole there was this burning thing of like thinking about pleasure, indulgence all the time, and not drinking was always for me. I think and for Dash, I'll tell you more about in a minute. Was always lacking maybe something a little bit more hedonistic or that was the kind of concept at the beginning and so um yeah after Bart it was this kind of idea ticking along and uh Dash who I'm married to he had a coconut water company we had he worked with the other mate he's interested in psychedelics and mushrooms and I think increasingly the world whether it's wellness or feeling good particularly post-covid people are looking to feel better maybe you turn your shower cold for the last 30 seconds maybe you don't drink coffee after five o'clock and you now have a green tea and I think the world is looking to do things differently and they're more open-minded to the weirder and the more wonderful and I think that's where three spirits born out of which was a kind of a quest for something where there wasn't something and a choice maybe there, where there was none. And I think we call it a third way. It's not about doing something or not. It's about maybe taking a slightly different approach to socialising and feeling good. And that's kind of where the idea was born out of. There's so many threads there that you could pull together. So how, how did you pull those threads together? What was the brief you gave yourselves when you set up the company? I definitely think we started more with a more hedonistic thought process of like, can you you know, get a real buzz without, I think that was the, the original thinking. And actually we were like, can you, the first question was, could we do this? We didn't go out and be like, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. So I was like, right, we're going to need, these drinks need to taste great. They don't need to taste the same as something, but they need to taste amazing. So I want the best bartenders in the world to stand up at tails one day and be proud of this. So we need some of those guys in the room. So we got uh, Tristan Stevenson, uh, um, Thomas Ask later in our journey we worked with Robin Honhold and I was like right we've got these guys in the room yeah. and then we had Dash leading on we, he, I, he's I call him the head alchemist alchemy is what we call like the blending of minds and, and ingredients and there's a lot of friction in that because when you've got the kind of plant scientists and the herbalists and these weird wonderful ingredients like mushrooms and strange things that have been used for thousands of years some of them taste horrible why you might normally find them in a in a capsule in Planet Organic or, you know, and so that was that's the alchemy was like bringing together this fusion of people who work who probably didn't normally work together, ingredients that didn't normally go together, but ultimately flavor balance occasion was at the root of like everything we've always thought about. Alcohol is a wonderful thing. It tastes great but when you first try it, it's also like you didn't yeah like, absolutely it's like cigarettes isn't it yeah <laughs> your first memory of alcohol is like oh so you needed those warning signs you needed something that not everyone's going to love straight away necessarily and that's okay if something tastes too good and easy you end up in Ribena you know <laughs> we, needed, we needed those complexities so we had complex minds complex ingredients and I think it was like can we do this and we've got, you know, the amount of strange vials, we've still got some in our freezer at home. Of like, the, I mean, it was a long journey. Um, How long? long journey. How long have you? I think it probably took like eight months for the first drink. Well, that's not bad. Say, and then I think it's probably evolved since then. And then the other two we made with Robin, that, I mean, it took up to, up to kind of a year because you, you can make it in your kitchen and then you've got to go make it at scale. And your manufacturing partner's like, are you joking? 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> no way. Are you mental? And so then there's that part of the process, which is making it like a legitimate product to scale. That does. I mean, our liquid is the most expensive. Our drinks are very expensive to make, which is something that my co-founder, Mita, sometimes asks why we did this to ourselves. But um, that that's the process. I think uh, there's a lot of drinks companies out there might go and outsource some of these things. But for us, it was built from the home. They still are. There's still moments where you'll get an email from a supplier saying, we're now no longer making this. And so Dash will be trying 19 different oh extracts flavor match, which black pepper and... Uh, wow. You know, it's, it's complicated. It's complex. Um, and you don't have alcohol, which often brings so much of those elements to a drink that can make it taste or give you the, that mouthfeel and that body. So our drinks are built up. They're not things that maybe are built and then the thing... The, the alcohol's removed from the kind of the ground up. So there's kind of building. Well, there's a lot going in. So tell us about, you mentioned Dash, you have mentioned Meter as well, but tell us about the people, the team and how you've got together. So I met Meter working at a company called Prehype just before Three Spirit. And Prehype is, they kind of call it a place where like founders go to like take a break and pre-hype they put founders into corporate so corporates see white space they see opportunity but they're not good at innovation and moving quickly like a so we would go in so I work with people like Coty I work with Lego which is amazing I work with Diageo and that's where I met Mita so I was we were going in they'd be whether it was a kind of digital bar concept in New York or something over here and that's where I met Mita she's a ex-banker, operator, phenomenal. My mum's always like, I don't know what you guys would do without her. Uh, like, we wouldn't be here. But she, and so that's Mita. I'm probably digital background because of Archit, content, marketing, social, set, like, I guess, like, a lot of the kind of sales, I guess less so maybe the kind of big commercial things. And then Dash is the kind of, I call them like the heartbeat, the product in the middle, dealing with these fast-talking digital kind of slacking like he's like can you just talk we just talk about this you know uh so that so dash is the product and he does all the product development he does a lot of the education and a lot of there's a lot of ongoing work with our suppliers and manufacturing and we set up manufacturing in america it's complicated it's, it's complex with um something when you want to make it you know you want like the guinness you have in england and in america should taste the same yes yeah it's all different spirits. That's what we're, we're aiming for. Right, <laughs> wow. That, so that's Dash. So we all have our different areas of expertise, which I think is really nice because they're complementary. And I think you often meet people who find, who have businesses that they often, like the missing piece is often that other person or another, and there's three of us. So if you're stressed or up late or, or one of you needs to take a holiday, it's kind of you always got that Somebody, other person. Yes, that's perfect. Um, and then Dash and I married, which adds complexities and lovely. Yeah. It's harmony, but also a different... Actually, one of the things I didn't ask, because you describe... I mean, do you describe them as aptogenic? So I can never say that word. So I think, look, so just to, to take a step out. So the UK has always been, I think, the, the leader when it comes to non-alc. But the world of non-alc in the UK is what I would call kind of imitation or analogue. Like most people are a beer for a beer of gin for a gin that's kind of like the realm in and and our drink yes it is 
functional we say and I think that you know it's hard sometimes to know we're trying to we're going with the market we call it a functional spirit alternative it's got adaptogens in it so yes there are ingredients in there that can lift mood help you unwind or just have that extra added layer going beyond just flavor and that's really important to us and I think in the U.S. market the functional drinks market is incredibly advanced um so they and they call them social tonics. Um, so you'll go into a supermarket there, and they'll have a section called social tonics. And I think because they've got THC drinks and CBD drinks, and cannabis is so much more advanced. There's kind of this world of kind of social alternative socializing drinks, products, gummies, things that that's that's kind of the set that I think is more established there. Whereas in the UK, there aren't as many players, and so I think it's, it's happening here. But I think that's the difference between the two markets. And so it's slightly more, um, I guess, like novel here still. But I think it's moving pretty quickly. Yeah, Um, Uh, we're catching up with it. I I mean, particularly as the years go on, because even now we're starting January and you're starting to see more of these buzzwords flying around that people are starting to understand them. Are you you finding that with the drinks as well? I would, weirdly, I would say the consumer is way ahead of kind of traditional industry. And I mean that more from, a, I think, retail and trade because it's the, the I think the consumers are understand these ingredients and they may be using them already. And our drinks is just a new format. You know, trip CBD drink, I don't think that feels like totally crazy and novel. I think a lot of things that if you went into a health food shop, Holland and Barrett, Planet Organic, Whole Food, like there's a lot of things that are in our drinks that have been selling well for 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 many many years um and i don't think it's that novel i just think our format we need more people alongside us here to create our own kind of set within the category if that makes sense um but on the consumer side i we're we're the number one selling brand in the non-out bottle shop the big one in the us and in the uk which means that we outsell we outsell the imitation drink like so we're not so we're a bit weird, but I think on the consumer level, they really love what we do. And I think it's because we're not trying to be something something else. Let down. Mm. And I think also our best seller is the nightcap because it fits into that unwind end of the day moment that everyone has every day. And so if a drink's decadent, delicious, feels a bit like a treat on the sofa and it helps you unwind, you very quickly can fit that into and it's a new form of a ritual for you, right? Maybe you've subbed the whiskey one day a week or every day, like whatever. Like, and I think that's, I think our drinks become quite ritualistic in the same way that tea, coffee, a hot bath, all those things that kind of help take you from A to B, whether that's getting up or getting down. And I think that's really the way that we, that, that I think what's special about us is we really focus on like occasion and rituals and moments. Just like you might have a the capper after dinner. It's It's that moment to kind of take yourself from somewhere to somewhere else that feels special with that in mind could you sort of because you've touched on it a little bit with one of them could you talk us a little bit through each of the sort of products in the, yeah. in your portfolio so, we've tried the wine us. actually yeah. i love that the wines are really mm. good. I, mean, really, I, I mean yeah there's a lot to talk about so so look we think about there's very kind of a few occasions right we have the liveness which I'd say is really the one that I think does does um, probably won the most awards for flavor and is probably the one that I think bartenders love the most. 
It is a pick-me-up. It is Robin and Dash made playlists for each of these, and this was kind of slightly camp, high-tempo, disco, you know, funky. It's alive. Dash calls it the fruit spirit. Um, it is energizing. Um, there's a super cool, funky, I think it's like a techno bar in EC London where they drink this in shops before service, which I love. <laughs> it's really nice, healthy. Yeah. You know, and it's it's got um, natural caffeine in. It's got this amazing berry called Shisandra. Um, and it's got an amazing um, holly from Ecuador. And all these things are like energizing. And so this is the beginning of the night. It's high tempo. And whilst it's not designed to be like a gin or a tequila, it would suit aperitivo style drinks. It's going to suit a, a tonic. It's going to suit a margarita style serve. It's going to kind of, um, it goes great with like a grapefruit soda, like a Paloma. So all these things that are kind of like that pick me up alive. It's going to get you going. Definitely don't drink too many of these if you want to go to sleep soon after. Um, and, the, and, and, yeah, this is kind of, we call it like the party starter, if you will. Um, then we've got our awkward middle child, our first product, which is earthy. It's got an amazing mushroom in it called lion's mane. Wow, the heart opener. And it's, this is the marmite of the bunch. It's funky. People either, this is their like ride or die. I've, I've got people that put it in hip flasks and carry it with them everywhere. And other people that are just like, whoa. But actually, I think, and a lot of Italian bartenders always be like, oh, it reminds them all of something. It's amazing. And often, I think what people really like about this, I think from a kind of um, maybe less the consumer, more the trade, is that it's slightly savory. It's a really interesting flavor profile. It's versatile. Um, our kind of classic serve is with kind of ginger ale, um, but it works really well in the espresso martini. Um, and I think a lot of bartenders often treat it a bit like a kind of vermouth. Um but it's the kind of funky one. This is the one that on if when we go viral on TikTok, it's always this one. It's always, um, and yeah, it's our first, it was our first product, and that's the kind of middle, and it kind of ultimately kind of reduces stress, lift mood, which is ultimately what alcohol does. It's neither too up or too down. It's kind of like a heart opener, um, and people that are often I think the most into kind of plants and ingredients and herbalism, like that, will always be the one that. They yeah. Whereas I think the other two are probably slightly more mainstream in a way. And then our best seller, as I spoke about before, is the nightcap, it which is just delicious, like really quite drinkable. And you can actually drink all of our drinks on their own, which is quite unusual for non-alc because they've got that level of kind of they've got enough sweetness in them so that they don't require having that other mixer to kind of like bring that balance. But this is the one that our serve is literally drink it on the rocks, or if you want to add some bitters and a slice of orange, you can, but you don't need to. Um, this has got things like valerian in, ashwagandha, hops, um, and, and a lot of the language, because we sell a lot online and we get reviews. I do a lot of kind of like analyzing the words that people use often, and it's things like it feels like a treat, um, special, indulgent. And I think when you think about some of the kind of non-alcs or just certain drinks, there's something special about something still feeling like a treat. Like a treat, absolutely. You know, they're all relatively low calorie, but these aren't kind of zero sugar. You know, these are about still having something for yourself at the end of the day that feels special. And yeah, and they're, and they're, and they're not cheap. Most non-alc drinks aren't cheap, so you need it to feel luxury, decadent. Um, and yeah, and so the nightcap is... Try it. It's delicious. 
It's amazing. Can't wait. And then um, tell us about the wines as well, because those are newer, aren't they? The wines are newer. And I think I think really like the wines are part of our story about, I think these are our core range and the wines are really about exploring kind of more alchemy. I think, I don't know how many dealkalized wines you've tried, but that's oh, not good. <laughs> and, um, and so I think, again, it was showcasing like about how to approach things as like building them from the ground up. Um, we worked with the guys at um, London Crew, um, the London Winery. We worked with these amazing kind of um, fruit growers in Essex. Um, and then we, we used a lot of tea from the Rare Tea Company. Um, and they're amazing. We, we're really proud of the wines. They've been listed in a lot of like amazing restaurants. They're beautiful, really good and they're very beautiful. complex they're, as well. They're complex. And again, they just, they, I think all of these drinks you want to be like there's a little bit of understanding them and you know you kind of take a moment and you suddenly kind of realize when you figure out where you can place them suddenly like a glass of sharp when the sun's out it's just like you wouldn't I wouldn't replace it with a beautiful burgundy I don't think many days because it's just so good and there aren't you know there's nowadays like if you drink at lunchtime it can really wipe out some of the rest yeah. of the day it doesn't work anymore does <laughs> yeah. it yeah <laughs> and that's the thing, the thing is like finding your moments of like what you know and I think we've created a range where you can pull from for different times and different needs. Very, very clever and really, really well done. Really well done. Interesting as well. You know, does it, we just rewind ever so slightly, you know, just uh, name checking your bar chick days again. Um, where does alcohol fit in your life now? It's funny because I read that question. I It's funny because I don't think I, 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 I drink still, but I, I think my world of non-out is more the way I think I go into a venue and I look at non-out I go into Sainsbury's and I'm appalled that non-out sitting with the cat food I did I look at the world from like what's happening with non-out and I think that it's amazing the difference between America's coming a long way and America's a big place so I don't want to you know I, I can't just say one thing about it but in a bar you go to a great bar and you say oh have you got any non-out they're like yeah I could make you something you tell me what you like. I'm like that's fantastic and I bet you can make one of the best non-out drinks in town but I shouldn't have to tell you that I'm not drinking. I shouldn't have to declare to the 10 people around the table, whether that's because I'm one week pregnant or whether that's because I'm trying not to drink, but I don't really want to have any kind of stigma about it because there still is. I think the way I think about my approach to it is like how I see it in the world, where I feel proud of it, how I think times are changing. And I think I don't drink as much as I used to at Bartek. <laughs> I still drink, but I think the way... I think about is that have a liveer instead of that GNT it's five o'clock. Have wine at dinner. Sometimes you can't replace a glass of bread with steak or whatever you're having. And then have a nightcap. But I think I think it's about making better choices to feel better. I don't think it's about I'm not or I am or I'm doing this. I think it's just about figuring out how to feel better. I think not drinking, it's really important you still see your friends and connect whether or not you have a pint of Lucky Saint or a pint of Assault. I don't like, I think there's lots of things that come with it. And I think it's about ultimately people need to sleep better. They need to still see their friends more. Loneliness is a terrible thing. And so I think all of these things contribute to feeling better. And I think what I've learned and through spirit is because I'm surrounded by amazing people, lots of the sober people, but there's a lot of kind of well-being people. And I learn a lot from them. And I think, traditionally not drinking like I'm not going to drink in January I'm going to stay home I'm going to save money I'm not going to go out and there's lots of negative 
things to do with that because you're kind of when you start going out again can you still do that or or restaurants and bars are suffering or you're not friends or there's just a lot of things so I think um I definitely have a better relationship with myself because of this and I think because of the people that I'm surrounded by around yeah makes a big difference as well I think that the drinks industry is coming a long way but I look back at my time, just how irresponsible, like not my, I just how crazy it was to have that much booze on your desk and have those many. I could go out to six bars every night of the week and not have a tab, you know. And you know, like it's it's I'm it's lucky I'm <laughs> <laughs> different times. Tatiana. No, and, and, just, and I think just the world is changing, and I think life is people. The industry is getting a bit more kind of aware of the responsibility that they have, and I think also at the same time, there's this other thing happening, which is non-alt, but also health and wellness, and people just being more aware, and and, I, and that's what I think's the biggest positive change that I see is like, and I think the UK is flying a wonderful flag for that, and is probably one of the most alcohol-free, inclusive countries in the world from from my lens, um, which I think is amazing. Brilliant. Good. But we're also probably still drinking, you know, our pubs are still... <laughs> still well, there's, there's both, isn't there? But yeah. at least we've got choices now, yeah. which is which is the main thing. And thanks to you and, and other well, great brands as anything. well. Um, so we've got to say that you launched five years, but it's six years now, is it? Or is it coming up for six? 2018. 2018. I think we sold our first bottle on November the 8th. To someone from Seedlip. <laughs> oh, really? Nick Cox, yeah. He checking was checking you out. No, no. I mean, yeah, as, as we would do anyone else, it's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've, alluded, you've touched on this, actually, but how during that time has the landscape for non-alcoholic and functional drinks changed during that time? It's funny because we launched, I, we've almost launched and done product drops at a very similar time to a brand called Kin Euphorics in America. Functional brand, Bella Hadid's a co-founder. Katy Perry's got a functional drinks brand. I mean, like, there is uh, functional drinks is happening in America. I think in the UK and more broadly, you've seen, I think you've got some big brands bringing out non-alc. I think they probably realise that that's maybe the way to do it is, you know, Tanqueray, Tanqueray Zero, people understand it. And I think, you know, it it does work for, for, I think, consumers. But then you've got amazing brands that, are slightly more novel, like your things like you've got Bativo. I don't know if you know I about love Pro- Bativo. Pro- yeah, Bativo's great. Proxy's wine uh, in America, non. Um, and you've got certain people taking a slightly different, just thinking about what, I think it also comes to a place, like I want something sophisticated to drink and it doesn't have to be here or there. It has to just be, you know, and I think that's what I think is really interesting about the market is that this kind of slightly more novel world and, People might think they're a bit weird and different, but actually they people really love them. And I think that's what's really interesting is that, you know, if you wanted a gin, you've got Tanqueray. And I think it's hard to go down that path and compete with those guys sometimes. Whereas I think the interesting for me, the interesting space is people kind of doing slightly something slightly different. different. Absolutely. Um, but ultimately it tastes fantastic. Um and I think that's what's really interesting for me. And I think that's what's happening. There are a lot of brands now. There is, it's busy. It's busy out there. In terms of function, there aren't huge amounts of functional brands. There's loads of functional brands in a can. Um, you know, what is and isn't function? A coffee's functional. A tea's functional. 
Um, but in America, that's where I think it's it's been a more interesting place in terms of kind of going into retailers and stuff like that. And then just say, you know, and what, and what are you personally most proud of so far on this journey? I think Ago was one of our first on-trade customers at the Connaught. And I think we're still on menu there. We bought two drinks where we're listed. That's like obviously huge because it's like, well, I love him, but it's such a fantastic It's an bar. endorsement, isn't and, it, as well? And it's one of the few places where there's not some listing fee that you're bidding. Like you bid for a lot of these. Like that he is legitimately about like products they like and enjoy. And it's just really, it's great that we're still there. And it's funny because Ago was introduced to us kind of by his meditation teacher because he was really interested in the cow. So it was this kind of interesting thing that was going on there. And um, that's obviously something we're really proud of. We've got some amazing bars. You know, we were a bit weird when we started and we still probably are a bit weird to some people, but we've got some amazing listings and some amazing bars and restaurants, which is is great. We got IWSC producer of the year last year, which again, I think sometimes people think we're like this, you were the kind of, we probably were a bit weird. And I think now people will actually, when you try them, they're delicious and, you know, and, and they love it. And, and, that, and that's been amazing. But because we're built from direct to consumer, which still represents around 75% of our business, we're so close to our end customer that you get, you get these like essays from people. You get letters from people. You know, this guy, and sometimes I'm like, look, we're just a small part that has maybe given you the belief to do stuff. This man wrote to us from America. I think he's like, I'm like an 83 year old man, and his wife died. And he was like, and I was drinking. He's like, he slept on the sofa every night. And he's like, and then I got your three pack, and now I have a little life now. And I have my dinner and I have a social and I drink my nightcap and I walk up the stairs up to bed. And he's like, and he said, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be dead because I would be dead if I didn't have your drinks, but just to say you've given me my life back. And I, I think we, I don't think that's just because of us. I think, you know, the right product for someone. And I think you get those things and you're just like, wow. You're doing the right There's thing. Someone in Florida well. who feels like we've changed their life. And, and it's just really nice. Um, until you get a lot of those emails and messages. And, and those are just things that I think. I think for everyone here, you're like, this is kind of why we're here. Aside from the awards and the badges and the, like, those things are all great, but fundamentally. It's those real things, isn't it? There aren't, there aren't, there's, there's certain businesses you could be in where you don't, you can't have that kind of effect on someone necessarily. And I think because we are in that world where you can have those things, it's just really nice to suddenly realise, oh, it's really nice to go home at night and realise that you've done something good for someone exactly exactly it's great that you get that feedback as well it's amazing so other than checking out the three spirit drinks range of course what three things can you share with those thinking about restricting their their alcohol intake so i think that we are creatures of habit as human beings and rituals whether that ritual is going to the pub on a Friday night and having six pints with a mate. It's like, it's about figuring out the rituals that matter to you. And then I think maybe making some changes to if they need to be a bit healthier. So whether that first pints of lucky saint or something like it's about making slightly better choices and improvements and figuring out rituals that are going to make you feel good. That's the way that I think it about it. And community who you who you surround yourself with who you follow online and figuring out how to get those people that have positive influence on you and, and help you see things differently I mean there's you know like Cami Vidal right she's been talking about this stuff for years and and 
those things do you do hear them in your head or you when you see other people making better choices or I think it does help and so I think that's another thing that is always really important to make sure that you're reading and listening to the right things that and it's easier now, isn't it? Because the, there is so much information and so many channels that you can tap into. Yeah, and, and as I said, now in the UK, like you don't even have to tell someone you're not drinking. You go to a bar and order a coffee. If, if that's part of something you're weird about, you just order a drink off the menu. No one knows if it's got alcohol in or not. It's kind of, it, it, it doesn't really matter anymore. People won't even ask the question. Um, and so, yeah. And as I said before, it's not about drinking or not. It's about topping and tailing your night sometimes without alcoholic drinks or going every other. Because you'd be amazed at how much of your alcohol consumption you can slash just by doing that. You know, if you just have one glass of wine at dinner and a non and out drink either side and you don't have three, that's a, that's a significant that's improvement. That's huge, yeah. And, it don't, you don't, and also because you have got such great complex products, it's not like you feel like you're being deprived of flavour. Do you know what um, I mean? So totally. And and mm. weird, if you put a five mil, if you put a teaspoon of a really nice peaty whiskey in a nightcap, I mean it tastes, I'd say, as good as a boozy old fashioned, if that's what you want. And and I think again, and then it's like super, super low ABV drinks is also really interesting um as well fantastic right I'm giving that a go right well not now but this evening but thank you so much for that Tatiana it's lovely to see you it's really great to talk about the brand and it's really great to see that it's doing so well that it's being part of people's lives as well as which it should be so thank you so much for sharing um we'll have all the details on our show notes and on the website but in the meantime, thank you very much. And we will be trying all of the range pretty damn pronto, I'd say. Can't wait to see how you get on. What do you want a refill of? Oh, uh, no. Thank you so much. And um, hope to see you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.